Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, live from Los Angeles. No player in the NBA is untradeable. They've had a lot of conversations with teams around the league. I think they're just one guy away. It's time for a blow up. Welcome to NBA Today. I'm Malika Andrews. We have a slew of guests joining us throughout the show, but let's get right to it because there's been a trade seemingly every hour this morning, and we're going to get to the Indiana Kings trade in just a moment. But I want to start with arguably the biggest star who was traded today, and that is Blazers guard C.J. McCollum, who is on the move. So after some chatter about C.J.'s future with the Blazers the last few days, the Pelicans, they've acquired him from the Trailblazers in a package that is centered around Josh Hart, a first-round pick, McCollum and the Blazers, they're parting ways after nine seasons together. And here, you can take a look at the trade details. So the Pelicans, they get C.J. McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., Tony Snell, and the Blazers, they get four players headlined by Josh Hart, a protected first-round pick, and two second-round picks. So now, I want to bring in the man who is breaking all of the trade news this morning, senior insider Adrian Wojnarowski. So Woj, how did this deal come about? Well, New Orleans had been in, in real dogged pursuit of C.J. McCollum. They've wanted you know, a high-level playmaking guard. If you remember back in free agency, you know, they pursued uh, uh, Kyle Lowry. He went to Miami. You know, they checked in with De'Aaron Fox in Sacramento and couldn't pry him away. But they got C.J. McCollum. And, you know, this is a player who I think for New Orleans, you know, they want not just certainly for the short term, you know, but to be a player – long-term to pair with Brandon Ingram and, of course, Zion Williamson when he comes back. And uh, this was someone who David Griffin really, really coveted. Uh, I think C.J. McCollum certainly warmed to the idea of New Orleans in recent days when the idea was brought to him. And while, listen, he loved Portland, he is a huge part of that community, I think he knew they were ready to move on. And that New Orleans was a team that really wanted him, has big plans for him. And now he comes into a team that started one and 12 and has already it's moved before the all-star break into the last play-in spot yeah absolutely and now of course with the news of this trade my mind Woj it goes to Damian Lillard and his future in Portland and Lillard he's been sidelined since December 31st he had abdominal surgery on January 13th so what is Portland's plan for Lillard in light of this trade they're still building around Damian Lillard in Portland and uh, you know, they're not making any moves there, certainly without him understanding what the next steps are and, uh, and how they're proceeding and what they have now. They created today a $21 million trade exception that they can use. They have the potential of $60 million in cap space this summer and now a number of first round picks, including their own. Uh, they get New Orleans pick today that they would get in this draft if it falls between five and 14, I'm told, 
lottery protected, and now they'll continue to be out there, I think even before the deadline's over, in acquiring high-level players. They are not retreating. They are not trying to rebuild, but they're trying to reshape this roster. You've seen what they've done now over the last few days with the trade with the Clippers, now the Pelicans, and there's more in Portland. And you see the emergence of Anthony Simons, Nasir Little this season, two young players that you know they're certainly going to build around there, but expect to see more veteran players, uh, and, and they hope some more impact players brought mm. in around Damon Lillard and they can certainly look at an extension for Lillard in this offseason. I want to switch gears for just a second here, Woj, because you reported another major trade today involving the Kings and the Pacers. We're going to dive more into it shortly. But before I let you go for right now, what's the instant reaction around the league to Sacramento trading Tyrese Halliburton? Stunned. Tyrese Halliburton was stunned, Malika. Uh, The league is stunned at this trade. And the fact that he was even available. I think there were a lot of teams who thought if we knew we could have gotten Tyree Halliburton, you know, we would have been really knocking at the door in Sacramento. You know, we'll talk about it more later, but this is a move. This was a player who everyone had thought, including Tyree Halliburton, that he'd be the cornerstone for their future. Yeah, absolutely. I spoke to someone in the Sacramento Kings organization today who just told me what the heck is going on. We're going to dive into that much more in just a moment, but I want to switch gears again, go back to the Pelicans here because we're now joined by front office insider Bobby Mark. So, Bobby, can you walk us through the Pelicans' new lineup when fully healthy here? Well, this is fully healthy, and that's the big if, right? With Zion Williamson's played only 85 games in, in two years, and I think this is what it looks like. You've got your front court already established with Herb Jones, Jonas Valanciunas, Brandon Ingram. The big questions, though, for New Orleans is, right, all about Zion. If he stays healthy, what is the upside of this lineup? You get a player like C.J. McCollum back, Port, uh, New Orleans 26th in three-point uh, percentage, 38 this year. Here's the big thing. Next year, they already have 13 players on guaranteed contracts. Code. Mm. What you see is what you get right now. Um, and then the draft assets. They traded a first to uh, Portland That's um, in that 5-14 to 14 range. They still have the Lakers first. They still have Milwaukee's first. So they still have draft assets to go out and make another deal. Absolutely. Please don't go anywhere. We're going to be breaking down more trades with you, Bobby, as the show goes on. But I want to bring in our full panel here, Richard Jefferson and Zach Lowe. And, Zach, yesterday you were praising the Pelicans in our show. So what do you think of this new lineup? I think it's a very offensively potent lineup. I'm worried that Herm Jones is going to have to defend everybody if we ever (laughs) see that lineup. Look, this is a win-now trade for the Pelicans. They gave up real stuff. Josh Hart's been a big part of their team this year on both ends of the floor. That pick matters. It's a little bit rushed given their stasis, their status in the league, but you can understand they're desperate to make the play, and C.J. McCollum's a good player. He addresses their needs. I I like it. I don't love it. I agree. Look, C.J. McCollum is a difference maker. He's averaging 18 to 20 points a game. Like, he's going to give that to you on the perimeter. I I think when you look at the needs that they had, I think maybe someone that was a little bit more mature. He's a veteran guy that has played in the postseason. So, I think that's who you want in your organization. And truth be told, when you have an opportunity to go get a player this good – you go get them, mainly because New Orleans is not a huge free agent destination. So if you can get an 18-point-a-game, 22-point-a-game two-guard to add to that kind of veteran or that group of Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, you do that. And what you gave up, I don't think you gave up that much to get a player of his caliber. I, I disagree. They gave up real stuff. Josh Hart's been a big part of the team. But I will say that the thing that swings this trade for me 
from something that is kind of a desperate win now trade that I don't love so much to something I can be okay with is getting Larry Nance Jr. Larry Nance Jr. is a really good player. He's going to fit well with the Pelicans if and when he returns from injury. He can play the four or the five. He can play with Zion. I think that's a big deal that they got him. Okay, the last thing I'll say, Josh Hart and C.J. McCollum, and I love Josh Hart. That's mm. my guy. Josh Is Hart, he your guy, though? He's he my guy. Guy? guy. He's been on my podcast. Shout out Road Trip and no big deal. Hey, listen, my thing is this. Those two guys aren't in the same caliber of player. They're not even near. Like, yeah, Josh Hart is very good. Defensive guy, steady guard. You love him. But, like, C.J. McCollum will win you games by himself. He will get going and win you 10, 15 games by himself because his performance is just so impressive on the offensive end. I don't think that Josh Hart is anywhere near that impactful by himself. CJ is really, really good. Yeah. He's a really good scorer. He won the biggest game in recent Portland Trailblazers history almost by himself, Game 7 in Denver in 2019. My worry is he's 30. He's having a down year shooting-wise, and if he's not making shots, he's just an okay playmaker. He's not giving you free throws. He's not giving you defense. That's my only worry, but he addresses a need for shot creation, particularly without Zion. Right. All right. So let's stick with the Portland side of this deal because, Richard, with the Blazers, they've made two moves, remember, just in the past week, including the one uh, with Eric Bledsoe. So how should Damian Lillard feel here about the direction of this Portland team. So I don't know Damon, uh, uh, Damian Lillard personally, so I'm just looking at from what my eyes can tell me. And it's like, look, if you're a part of this organization and you feel like they're building towards something, they do have cap space, they have opportunities to bring in high-level players, but where do those players come from? That's my thing. Where do the players come from that they're like, now that we have space, we can go get the players that we want. This is not the Lakers. This is not the, you know, one of these franchises that like, oh, we're going to attract free agents. Right. So that's my worry is that, okay, you got Dame, you got space. Who are the players that you could possibly target to go get that would complement Dame? Well, and it's an interesting amount of cap space, too, right? Because as Woj reported today, Portland created $21 million in trade exception and then potentially $60 million in salary cap space for this summer. That's with the multiple draft picks and assets that they got from the Pelicans, Zach. Yeah, and, and, but like RJ said, the last time the Blazers had cap space, they ended up signing a bunch of guys to a bunch of deals that they had to pay to get off their books with draft compensation. So it's not a free agent destination, but I will say what Woj said before to me is accurate. They don't do deals like this without sign-on from Dame. Like, Absolutely. Dame knows what's going on. This idea that, oh, my God, now he's going to ask out because no. he's watching all this unfold, like, that's that's not true. Well, and certainly knowing the relationship that Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum had. I started my career in Portland and got to see them kind of build this from the ground up. It is incredibly difficult. Actually, it's impossible to imagine that they hadn't had a conversation about this before it happened. You're looking confused, Richard. You started your career in Portland? I How did. Many jobs have you been on more I have like a than cat. I have. I've had, like, nine lives. Oh it's, a, it's a very weird situation. I do think, Joe, Joel Embiid sums up how we all felt in our newsroom today when he tweeted, this is wild. And we're going to be covering all of that wild as the show continues, including diving more into the trade between the Pacers and the Kings. But coming up on NBA Today, what would a Ben Simmons for James Harden trade actually look like? Bobby Marks, he is standing by to break that down for us. Plus, we have to go over to the Lakers and the Bucks facing off tonight. So we'll take you inside the trade needs of each lineup and give you a full preview. And the Bulls, they lost to an elite team again last night. So why do they struggle so much against the league's best? All of that coming up on NBA Today. Bucks are going to win. NBA Today is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's. We have the meats. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. 
Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Live from Los Angeles, welcome back to NBA Today. As promised, we have another trade to unpack, so Woj is back with me. I know he is breaking everything down, always on your phone. Woj, thank you so much for the time. The Pacers and the Kings, they made a trade, and Indiana sent DeMontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holliday to Sacramento for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. So how did this trade come together? Well, Sabonis had certainly been a player that Indiana had been talking about throughout the league and talking with a number of teams uh, about his availability, both he and Miles Turner. And the idea that they could get Tyrese Halliburton in a trade, I think even exceeded Indiana's expectations. And, you know, they looked at the trade Chicago made with for Nikola Vucevic with Orlando and, and thought that was a comp. But to get this kind of a 21-year-old player from the Kings, uh, I think not only surprising to Indiana, but the rest of the league. I think there was a lot of a lot of the reaction in the last hour since we reported it was if we knew Tyrese Halliburton could have been had, we would have really been aggressive and maybe pursuing him. And so this is a Sacramento team that certainly now continues to build around De'Aaron Fox. Obviously they put Buddy Heald in the trade to Indiana. Uh, but I think for Sacramento, I, it was a week ago, I was in New York City the morning after they played Philly. Halliburton had 38 against the Sixers, just an electric performance in Philly, almost carried them to a win. And I saw Tyrese Halliburton in the hotel lobby in the morning. I saw their owner, Vivek Ranadive, and Halliburton was somebody who really, really was committed to, to being the guy to help turn that organization around. I was told he was stunned today. And I know this, their front office, Monty McNair, their GM, Wes Wilcox, their assistant GM, I've always been under the belief that those two really, really, really valued Halliburton. And so how this trade came about and, and the decision to put him in it, it is stunning. And uh, certainly for Indiana, I think it changes the trajectory of, of how they reshape this roster. And uh, now you have another young player they really like, Chris Duarte, their rookie, with Halliburton, Malcolm Brogdon still in that backcourt. And Indiana's got picks. They've still got a Ricky Rubio expiring contract they can use. And I think this sped up Indiana's, uh, the reshaping of their roster, um, maybe makes their rebuild more of a reshaping than having to break this thing down. And we saw that surprise ripple around the league this morning. I want to stick with the Pacers here, Woj, because Miles Turner, he's been a name we've discussed quite a bit as we approach this trade deadline. Where does Turner stand amidst this trade? Yeah, I'm told that Turner was really eager and, and enthusiastic about the idea of playing with Halliburton. And, uh, you know, he was a player who's been in trade talks. You know, he's out with that stress reaction. He was somebody who it, it became harder to trade him here at the deadline because he's been injured. It's never easy to move a player uh, when he's got an injury. People aren't seeing him play. But, but I'm told now, you know, the idea that he'll be able to Play center, you know, he and Sabonis never quite fit. One of them was going to go. 
Sabonis goes to the Kings. And listen, Sabonis is a terrific player. He's a two-time All-Star. Uh, he's a significant player in this trade and, and certainly a, a, a significant upgrade for the Kings at that position. But now I think structurally their roster fits better in Indiana with Miles Turner. I think it becomes very unlikely you see him moved. And now you can start to see the pieces. Uh, and the Pacers are a team that has their own pick this year. They've got the Cavaliers pick. And they've got Houston's second-round pick, which you know is going to probably be in the top 32-33. Mm, Woj, thank you so much. Please don't go too far, though, because as today has been going, I, I just have this feeling we're going to need you back. Really appreciate the time. So Woj used the term stunned, but after this trade went hey. down, J.J. Redick, he simply tweeted, what? And I think that summed up what so many people were thinking and feeling as they saw Woj's reporting. So I want to bring in J.J. Redick along with Zach and Richard to get their reaction on this trade. And J.J., since you tweeted, I'll start with you. What's your reaction? This is some form of malpractice on the King's part. <laughs> this is so some form of, you, of malpractice. I'm so proud of you. Listen, Tyrese Halliburton has been the best player on that team. As Woj said, I, and, and unlike Richard who says Josh Hart is his guy, I think they may know each other. Tyrese <laughs> really is my guy. This is a close friend of mine. I, I can co-sign what, what Woj said. He was determined to turn things around and be part of that rebuild in Sacramento. I know he's shocked right now, but they traded away their best player. They also traded away one of the most prolific three-point shooters uh, in recent NBA history in Buddy Heald. They've got one guy on that roster right now shooting over 33% from, from the, from the three-point line in, in Harrison Barnes. De'Aaron Fox can't shoot. Sabonis can't shoot. So you're building a team around two non-shooters with a bunch of non-shooters. Make it make sense, Zach. Make it make sense. Well, JJ, you said Tyrese Halliburton's been the best player on the Kings, and he has been the best player on the Kings. Domas Sabonis has been the best player on the Pacers. Look, I know our inclination is always to laugh at the Kings, hashtag Kings. They got a really good player in Domas Sabonis who's going to help their team. But, but, I do think Indiana won the trade simply for this reason. Tyrese Halliburton, Domas Sabonis put them side by side. Tyrese Halliburton's younger. He's on a better contract. He's a more valuable player and a more valuable trade piece right now and going forward. And I don't think the Kings got enough extra stuff in getting off Buddy Heald and getting Justin Holiday, who's a nice role player, to make up for this difference. So I think Indiana won the trade, but I'm not going to sit here and cackle at the Kings' expense as much as I enjoy cackling at the Kings' expense. But, but here's my thing. When I look at these two teams in their respective conferences, both of them sit at 13th. So, Richard, does this trade put the Kings in any sort of playoff contention in the West? <laughs> no. God, no. No, but now this is the thing, and this is where it gets confusing. I want to make sure it's very clear. The play-in tournament is not the playoffs, yeah. right? It's yes. not the playoffs. And I Say it again, Richard. The play-in tournament is not the playoffs. Now, look, if you look at this, they're not very far away, you know, from, from the play-in tournament. What is it, the top ten? Yeah, they're not very, they're not very, very far. <laughs> yeah, get a cookie I mean, for that? But that's not good. Unless, say, traditionally, if you were going to say the normal playoff format, they'd be like six games behind the Clippers for the final eighth spot. So let's get back to the actual trade. I'm on the same boat as everybody else, but I'm going to cackle at the Kings, right? What on earth would tell anybody in the last 
15 years that the Kings are going to do anything that make any sense. And then I'm going to attack the rest of the NBA. Oh, if I would have known Halliburton was available, he was just drafted last year. You could have drafted him. Most of the teams in the league, he fell all the way down to 12th. Great point. The Suns could have him. Imagine that. He fell all the way down to 12th, and everyone's like, man, Tyler Halliburton can play. It's like, well, you weren't doing your homework, or the people that were assessing talent wasn't doing a very good job. And we'll add one more beautiful layer to this, Malika. The Kings are going to do what the Kings do. We should not stress, and I'm not going to talk about Sabonis in a negative sense because I think he's a great player. You get a two-time All-Star. Great player. He is a yep. high-level player. He is versatile. Can he shoot? No, but he can do a whole lot of other things. So Sabonis is a great pickup for the Kings. I'll say that. But. Uh, okay, so, so J.J., who won this trade? <laughs> oh, the, Pac- the Pacers clearly yeah. won this okay. trade. Yeah. The Pacers clearly won this trade. And, and to Richard's point, uh, I know it's a point of contention with Tyrese, they, they said his jump shot wouldn't translate. You know, he's at, he's at just under 42% from three on a pretty high volume uh, in two seasons. I think the sample size is large enough to say that his jumper translate. To me, he's, he's the guy that makes the right play every time. He gives you playmaking. He gives you shot making. He moves the ball, and he defends. And by the way, he loves basketball. Like, to find me another 21-year-old guard that's doing that right now. There's not many of them out there. I do not understand this trade if I'm the Kings. I well, do not understand it. I think there was a sense around the league, too, that potentially De'Aaron Fox was going to be the one available, and Woj summed it up. Stunned. Like, that's the word he used, and that's the word that I'm reading on J.J. Reddick's face right now. J.J., thank you so much for joining us today. We're going right. to be seeing you much more this week, I am sure. But coming up, this was actually supposed to lead our show this morning, but then, you know, things happened. What would a Simmons for Harden swap actually look like? Bobby Marks is standing by to break that down. That's next. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. The Nets lose their eighth straight overall. We're going through a tough stretch. We're undermanned. There have been a few times where we've had uh, mental lapses. I equate this to them walking a tightrope. Like before, maybe it was a little thicker, but now it's like, I mean, very high. Welcome back. I'm Malika Anders here with our insider, Brian Windhorst. And Brian, you had a story today on all things James Harden and Ben Simmons. So what's the status on a potential trade between the Nets and the Sixers here? Let me emphasize this. No matter what you hear from the Nets, from the Sixers, from anybody else, the game is on. Mm. This negotiation is taking place. It may be a non-traditional negotiation. It may be back channels. It may be intermediaries. The Sixers... And Nets are communicating with each other. Whether a deal gets done by Thursday or whether this is the beginning of something that gets settled this summer when James Harden can be a free agent, I don't know if anybody knows the answer yet. But this is a process. And everything you hear, Malika, I promise you keep thinking this. 
Everything you hear is a negotiation. Okay, so in the spirit of that, negotia- that negotiation then, what exactly is the holdup for this trade? Two things. Okay. On the Nets side, what do they get besides Ben Simmons in this deal? Do they get a draft pick? Do they get another one of the players? Do they get one of the young players like Matisse Thibel? Do they get Seth Curry? That's a guy I think they have a lot of interest in. On the 76ers side, they're not just trading for James Harden. They are trading for James Harden and a player who wants a $220 million extension. Yep. Who's 33 years old, not having a great season, and has missed a quarter of his team's games the last two years. They love James Harden. They want him. They think they can win the title. But taking James Harden and that contract, it's not an automatic yes from ownership. That's something they've got to work through. Okay, but the negotiations are on. Everything you hear is a negotiation. Everything we hear is a negotiation. Brian Windhorst, thank you so much. Okay, I want to go to our boots on the ground here in Philadelphia and Brooklyn. So for more on this potential Harden-Simmons trade, I want to bring in both of our team reporters, Tim Bontemps and Nick Friedel. So, Nick, I want to start with you. What's the feeling around the Nets here? Malika, I walked out of shoot-around to Barclays a couple hours ago with James Harden. And I said, James, can I ask you a couple questions? And he looked at me and said, no, I'm good. And I said, are you playing? And he said, nope, not playing. So that hamstring issue is still there. But he knows full well what's going on and all the speculation that's happening. And he doesn't want to get into it. Patty Mills did, though. And he said it is impacting the locker room a little bit. But as a veteran, he tells the younger guys, you can only focus on what you can control. And he's hopeful that Harden isn't worried so much about what's going on in the outside world around him. That's the message internally with the Nets. The thing everybody needs to remember as far as the organization goes, despite all the hoopla that's going on around with the speculation regarding Harden, they all still believe if Harden's healthy, KD comes back in a couple weeks off that knee injury, and Kyrie plays, and hopefully in the Nets case, the vaccine mandate here in New York City has changed at some point in the next couple months, they can still win a title. And that belief is permeating throughout the organization, despite the fact that they come into tonight's game having lost eight in a row. Absolutely, and neither the mandate changes or Kyrie Irving changes his mind. Nick Friedel, thank you so much. And Tim Bontemps, I see that you are in the Wells Fargo Center right now. So what is the scene here in Philadelphia? Well, Malika, like you said, I'm here at Wells Fargo Center ahead of tonight's game between the Sixers and the league-leading Phoenix Suns. And while that should be a big topic of conversation, as you know, with less than 48 hours to go to the trade deadline, all anybody here in Philadelphia is focused on is whether this Ben Simmons saga is finally going to come to an end. And whether that means James Harden comes to Philadelphia, some other combination of players and picks comes here, or this Ben Simmons saga drags on into the rest of this season, the postseason and beyond, you know, this Thursday 3 p.m. deadline is sort of a first marker of sorts. You know, you go back to the start of training camp, Ben Simmons didn't show up. This situation really hasn't changed since then. And Thursday marks the first time when if he's still on the team past that deadline, I think the Sixers will feel some real pain if they're unable to get something for him and you're staring in the face the possibility of having a $35 million hole on your roster all the way through to the postseason and beyond when Joel Embiid is having arguably the best season of his career. Absolutely. And Joel Embiid, he has been on Twitter this morning. Thank you so much, Tim Bontemps. Really appreciate the time. But remember, if James Harden signs an extension this summer with Brooklyn, he's looking at five years, $270 million. That's all said and done. And if he opts out, 
and signs with another team. He'd be leaving about $70 million on the table. Of course, there's more to it than that. This isn't totally black and white. So what exactly would a Ben Simmons-James Harden trade look like? How would it work? Here to tell you is our front office insider, Bobby Marks, who is the trade machine. But we're also at the trade machine here. So what are some scenarios that could make this deal actually work, Bobby? The ultimate game of chicken right now, right? Bok, bok. We, know, we know the players, right? As far as a player like James Harden, Ben Simmons, money is a little bit short. You still have to add about um, $3 million to the deal. So now if you're Brooklyn and you're looking at the Sixers roster, who else do you want here? player like <clears throat> Seth Curry, Matisse Thybul, Furkan Korkmaz. Let's put a player like Curry into the deal. It certainly helps your shooting. They've got picks to trade, right? You look down here, they've got a 2022nd pick. We add that to the mix. And it works. Boom. Right? Nets save about $15 million towards the luxury tax year. Everybody is happy. The big question is going to be, does Philadelphia think they can sign James Harden outright with cap space this summer? Mm. Or they just do this deal right now and Harden gets his money in the offseason from the Sixers? And the Nets, it's a huge risk. They could potentially lose him for nothing. Absolutely. And this is the trade that potentially makes it work. So between now and the end of the trade deadline on Thursday, can I, can I touch the trade machine? You might get some smoke coming up. Okay. And we're All actually right. going to go to the big board later. Yes! I am so <laughs> excited. All right. Thank you so much, Bobby. I want to bring in, though, the panel for a, quick, a panel for a quick reaction to this deal. Richard, who says no to that trade that Bobby just laid out? I don't know. <laughs> I was like, no, I, I think ultimately, as much, I, I, I can't speak for the Brooklyn Nets locker room, but I can say that if Kyrie was playing, and Kevin Durant and all the things were moving in the direction, but it's not. So now they have to look at, okay, is James unhappy? If they feel like James Harden is unhappy with the situation, and who knows why he would be unhappy in Brooklyn, then it's like the possibility of losing him for nothing, that kind of scares you. We can talk about Joel Embiid having the season of, of his life, but Kevin Durant, before his injury, was probably either one or two in MVP voting. So, like, they have a great player that they don't want to waste any time with either. So they're trying to figure out, I think both teams are trying to figure out how to not waste a championship caliber season. Well, Zach, I saw you studying the trade machine over here, almost in awe of it. What do you think? Yeah, I made a fake trade when you weren't looking. I traded Joel Embiid for Kyrie Irving. How did it work? Fun, and Bobby it was successful, but Bobby <laughs> took it away. Uh, uh, I think right now, 47 hours and 26 minutes before the trade deadline. Fast math. The Sixers would probably say no to that if this conversation ever happened in these kind of specifics, which it has not, at least directly, because I think the Sixers are, as, as Ryan said, everything's a negotiation. Everything's a leverage play. And I think the Sixers would say, oh, he's, he might leave for nothing, Brooklyn. Don't you think he might leave for nothing? He's not, leaving, think, all, he's not leaving all that money on don't, the table. Don't you, think, don't you think we can maybe have an avenue to open up the cap space to sign up? Well, if you think that, you're not getting Seth Curry and you're not getting our first-round pick. Come back to us at 2.58 Eastern time on Thursday with a better offer. But, again, this is all back-channel non-direct talks at this point. Absolutely, but you said the magic word, the trade deadline. So Thursday from 1 to 4 Eastern, it's our NBA Today trade deadline special. We're going to track all the news up to the minute on moves that could impact the future of the NBA. Coming up on NBA Today, ahead of the trade deadline, we'll take a look at the needs of the Lakers and the Bucks who go head-to-head tonight in Crypto.com Arena.
I'm in one of the best zones offensively I've been in in my career. Who else but the king? And I don't plan on stopping it. We are counting down to the trade deadline, which is Thursday at 3 o'clock Eastern. Look, the seconds are ticking down as we speak. Welcome back to NBA Today. So we have a big game tonight between the Lakers and the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks. And in to detail, the outlook for each of these teams as the trade deadline approaches is our very own Bobby Mark. So let's start with the Lakers. What can they do, Bobby? Well, what you see is what you get right now for this starting five. You know, certainly Russell Westbrook's the name to keep an eye on, but I don't see his, his contract tradable right now. Maybe that's something in the offseason. But I think when you look at it's all about the math, right? $120 million between Westbrook, AD, LeBron. That's a lot of contracts. The value contract of Talon Horton Tucker. What can you get back in return? Limited on draft assets. They've got a 2027 first and uh, seven seconds to send out cash we saw money sent in the rondo trade and they're over the tax 44 million dollar tax bill so i think it's just fringe moves malika i think you're looking at deandre jordan ken Bazemore trading for cash open up roster spots it's hard to see horton tucker none in a first bringing back a tremendous amount of value okay so zach when you look though at the lakers roster what are they missing as we approach the deadline well poor stanley johnson is missing his lakers jersey on our, on our big board he's wearing I I, can we get him a lakers jersey at least <laughs> what they're missing really is another three and d guy right the idea is to have russ lebron ad at center and two guys who can defend and play defend and shoot threes and between ariza ellington baysmore none even Horton Tucker, who's shooting sub-25% from three, I think they just haven't gotten that other than Malik Monk, who's more of a shooter and not a defender. Can you find that guy with the package Bobby just made? I mean, maybe. Maybe you could make a run at Eric Gordon or somebody like that. But mm. those are the names. Terrence Ross, those are the names they're going to be looking at. What do you think of that, Aaron Gordon, Terrence Ross, those types of players, Richard? There is not one player that the Lakers can pick up that will change their season. Is there anybody here that disagrees with that statement? Uh, no. Is there Point. one player, Bobby? You Point draft him. I've, know, I've known you since I was. You know what? Years old. You know who's there? Impact one? him? Who? You? No, that's not. That's not even true. <laughs> you I, haven't I, seen him do push-ups recently, there, Bobby. Thank you. I'm taking that. And, and this, will you say there is one? There isn't one. That's what I'm saying. So we're not going to sit up here and break down numbers and go through all this stuff. Let me break it down to you very clearly. There is not one player out there with the way that they are constructed that they could potentially go get that will change their season. What you see is what you get. If these guys don't figure it out, there ain't nothing that we can make up. Okay. So, so then let's move to the Bucks because, Bobby, what are their trade options here as the deadline approaches? Yeah, I mean, you're looking looking at a roster that's 20 and 5 when uh, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, uh, Giannis are on the court. That's that's the best team in the Eastern Conference when they're together here and I think with Milwaukee, the name probably to keep an eye on is Dante DiVincenzo, yeah. right? He's on a last year of his contract on an expiring um, can you flip him? They look they need some help at center. We don't know when Brooke Lopez is going to come back here and I think when you look at what they have, right? 20 and 5 with the big 3, what's the health of Brooke Lopez? The value contract of DiVincenzo, they don't have a first-round pick to send out. They yeah. have five seconds. Um, can they get more help as far as from a center position? Bobby Portis has given you good minutes. Right. Um, 
but we don't know what's going to happen with Brooke Lopez. But he's undersized. And my understanding from talking to folks within the organization, Zach, is that Brooke Lopez is on this trip. He continues to get his back reevaluated, and they have some optimism that they could be seeing him here in the coming weeks and months, but they don't have a clear timeline yet. And yeah, watching Dante DiVincenzo play, Richard, it seems to me like he's playing like he little bit has his contract on his mind. What do you see the Bucks needs as? Well, look, when you look at where they are deep at, they're deep at the two-guard spot. So, you know, when Bobby Summers was like, well, who is expendable from the two-guard spot? Mm. You got Grayson Allen, who's playing well. Jordan Wara, he's playing well. Rodney Hood, you have so many two-guards up and down here that you're like, okay, well, if we wanted to give up something to get something back in return, then yeah, all of this is obvious, but there's really... I think that this is the best team in the Eastern Conference. Why? Because they are the one singular team that has the most amount of talent and is all pushing in the same direction. Not Philly, not Brooklyn. Chicago has some issues that they need to deal with. So this is a team that everyone needs to look at. I don't think that they need to make too many moves. You agree with that, Zach? I've said it all along. Since the Nets situation went haywire, this is the safest bet in the entire NBA, the Milwaukee Bucks. One way or another, they are going to get another big man, whether it's trade or buyout. Dante DiVincenzo, look, RJ, you're right. They got a lot of twos. But he's good, and he's Very a good, good. two-way Very player. Good. I'd be careful trading him away because they're going to play Giannis at center a fair bit in the playoffs, so they need as many guards and wings as they can get, and you're one injury away from being too thin at those positions. But I agree. I think this is the safest bet in the league. That record speaks for itself right Absolutely. There. I think with Dante DiVincenzo, again, it just goes back to it's a recency bias almost, right? In, in years past, he's been a really great asset for them. But when you look recently, after coming off of the injury, after coming off of he was about to come back and then he got sick, it's been a tough go for him. So it will be interesting to see what moves they make. Bobby Marks, thank you so much for joining Bobby. us today. Nice I know show. you need to get back to it because we have you on so much this week. Thank you, thank you, thank Thank you. But coming up on NBA Today, the Bulls lost to another elite team last night. So why can't they seem to beat the top teams? We're going to discuss that next. You're watching NBA Today, live from Los Angeles. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Welcome back to NBA Today. So the Suns, they were in Chicago visiting the Bulls last night. So here are the highlights. DeMar DeRozan hosting the Suns. Devin Booker, he averages 8.9 points in the first quarter this season. That trails only Kevin Durant, and he got to off to a hot start. Richard. Well, and this is the issue with the Phoenix Suns. He is second in the league in first quarter scoring. That means they get off to a good start. So he comes out and he sets the tone like one of the best players in the NBA. And when they play against great teams, it's almost like the Phoenix Suns go to another level of intensity. Case in point. Splash. And it's almost like he's even improved this season from last season. 16 points in the first quarter, Richard. Let's move it ahead in the game. Well, again, now, what do you say? Look, if JaVale McGee is hitting threes, that puts that to 19. There's not much else you can do. They're having fun. When your team is rolling and it seems like everything is perfect, there is no more. There, there's not a situation that becomes more fun than playing on this type of team that the Phoenix Suns have. Well, and Chris Paul said that on our friend J.J. Reddick's podcast. The Suns, they led at 18 at the half. But 
then DeMar DeRozan, he had a little something to say about that. He had 38 points, Richard. Look, he is playing at an extremely high level, one of the best guards in the league. But look, you know when it gets down to crunch time, the Phoenix Suns are one of the best at starting games, and they're one of the best at finishing games, maybe the best team in the league at finishing games. Booker had 38 points, and the Suns win it. Now, the Bulls, they're tied for sixth best record in the NBA this season. The problem is that they haven't been able to beat any of the five teams that are ahead of them. So after last night's loss, they're now 0-7 against the Suns, the Warriors, the Grizzlies, the Heat, and the Bucks. So given those numbers, why do you think, Richard, that the Bulls struggle so much against top teams? Well, I think that's the next phase for them. That's the next step. When yep. you're when you're talking about being in this league, you're supposed to beat the team that you're supposed to and you're supposed to split with the really, really good teams if you're an elite team. And so when I look at this Bulls team, I think that they have a lot of talent. They have everything that's needed. They have two of the top. They have maybe maybe the second or third best backcourt in the league in Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. So they just need to tweak it. And sometimes that can become experience. If you haven't had that much experience playing against other high-level teams, no postseason experience for this team, you can get records like this. Well, look, good teams are hard to beat. Yeah. And the Bulls haven't been healthy either, or sometimes even close to healthy Absolutely. for a lot of those games. And the other thing is, with apologies to the Bulls, they're just not as good as some of those teams. I mean, Phoenix, Golden State, Miami, Milwaukee, we're talking about heavyweights, and Memphis has been the story of the year in the NBA, and that's fine for the Bulls not to be as good as those teams. This is a great year for the Bulls. They're building towards something. They don't have to be as good as those teams right now. Well, and speaking of the Bulls, here's our NBA Wednesday doubleheader on ESPN and the app. The Bulls, they take on the Hornets. That's at 7.30 Eastern. And then after that game, we can see the Warriors. They face off against the Jazz. Our coverage starts with NBA Countdown at 7 o'clock Eastern. Coming up, how will today's trade between the Blazers and Pelicans impact the futures of Dame and Zion? We're back in 60 seconds. Hi, I'm Malika Andrews, host of NBA Today. And on Thursday, February 10th, tune in to our NBA trade deadline special from 1 to 4 Eastern. We're going to have all the Woj bombs, including our top NBA analysts, with insight on all trades around the league. So catch NBA Today on February 10th from 1 to 4 Eastern on ESPN. Welcome back to NBA Today. So big trade news this morning. Here are the details. The Pelicans, they get C.J. McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., and Tony Snell. The Blazers, they get four players headlined by Josh Hart, a protected first-round pick, and two second-round picks. So let's get to the Blazers' side of things. Zach, are the Blazers better or worse their situation for Damian Lillard now that they've made this trade? That's a question we're going to have to wait till the summer to answer because they got a lot of cap flexibility. they got a lot of draft picks. we got to see what they do with it, what they do with Josh Hart. They could flip Josh Hart right now for a first-round pick, I think, if they wanted to. He's, he's coveted as a role player. But I think really probably about the same. Like, it's hard to envision them winning a championship in Damian Lillard's t- window there, but we'll see. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I agree with Zach. 
I 100% agree with Zach. When I look at Portland and I'm like, this window for Dame, who is 31 years old, he's coming off an injury, which I'm not really worried about. But you're like, okay, sometimes it takes two, three years, maybe four, to build out a team. Look at great teams, whether it was Milwaukee, you know, Brooklyn has taken them multiple years to get to that space, the Clippers, any team that has built up to a contender level, it takes three to four years to do that, especially if, you, if you're able to scrap it and you're not able to draw in a high-level free agent so I don't know what the Blazers are going to do uh, they have the space Dame is on board so this is a sit and watch situation Zach do you expect them to make more moves ahead of the deadline not this summer ahead of the deadline I mean, they've already traded four-fifths of what might have been their closing lineup and right? Robert Covington Norm Powell Larry Nance I'm not sure what what else there is to do but they're, this, they're a team to watch at the draft in this summer for sure and to RJ's point you mentioned teams taking multiple years Clippers Nets a lot of those teams you mentioned they were free agent destinations that could microwave teams yeah. like this with cap space. I don't think the Blazers are that kind of team. Well, and even then, don't forget that the Brooklyn Nets made the postseason without a superstar. The Clippers made the postseason without a superstar. So they were free agent destinations that were building a culture, and then they got free agents. The Trailblazers look like they're in a bit of disarray, even though you have one of the best players in the league in Dame Lillard. So you just don't know what the next step is going to be for them. Well, the same could be said, though, for New Orleans. It's not classically thought of as a destination for players. But the Pelicans, let's take a look at their new starting five when fully healthy. Richard, do you expect, you can see it coming up soon, I hope, do you expect Zion to be a good fit with this squad? I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't seen Zion play. I haven't seen I've seen Zion play how many games in the in the past, you know, two seasons, and that's not a knock on him. You can't judge a team based off of things that you do not know. Is he talented? Is he one of the best power forwards in this league when he plays? Yes. But he hasn't played. But we were talking about this. Do you give him a max contract? Do you do all this stuff? Well, the Philadelphia 76ers gave a very injured Joel Embiid a max contract, and it's looking really, really smart right now. So I'm not, like, just casting Zion Williamson away quite yet. But the first contract the Sixers gave Joel Embiid was laden with you've got to stay healthy, clauses. incentives yep. and bonuses and carve-outs and things like that. His but Zion, Zion can fit in any lineup. Yeah. I mean, you, you, Zion is a human rim-attacking machine. I mean, you cannot keep him away from the basket. They have enough shooting in that lineup. He fits anything, anywhere, fine. But, yeah, I do think it'll be interesting. If he doesn't play the rest of the season, I legitimately have no idea if or when he's coming back. Let me be that clear about that. And he walks in with his agent after the season and said, hey, we want the max extension. You're going to give him the max extension. I, I guess you have to because you're New Orleans. But, boy, oh, boy, you'd like to see him play a little bit. Well, you just put a ton of the same thing with Joel Embiid. You put a ton of, uh, you put a ton of like, random incentives in there saying that whether it's weight, whether it's, you know, games played, minutes played, like all of these things. And if you're his agent, you can't argue about that. If you're the fan base, you can't argue about that. So Zion Williamson away from the team, continuing his rehab on his foot, continuing to get healthy. You were high on the Pelicans when we talked about them yesterday, Zach. With C.J. McCollum, are you higher on them than you were yesterday with these new pieces? No yeah. Zion. Yeah, short term, I think he helps their team. He fills the need of shot creation, and they should stay in the play-in tournament at the very least. I mean, they, if they don't make the play-in tournament now, it's a disaster, despite the fact that the Kings are chasing them. But, yeah, they're going to miss Josh Hart's skill set, but C.J. McCollum's, I think, is a slightly more urgent need. What do you think? Are they going to make the play-in tournament, Richard? I know you said that's not the playoffs. I know. I know. I, that's a participation trophy. Playing tournament. <laughs> they should I'm have sorry. a. It should be a brown participation. Yeah, it, it, it really. It's a. That's a participation trophy. So like this team with one All Star, two All Star, and then a fridge potential All Star in C.J. McCollum, they should be there. Now, do they have enough time? Zion Williamson obviously not going to play. I love Jonas Valanciunas, but it's just like. 
This is one of the most unknown teams in the entire league because there are just so many ifs about them. We also kicked Herb Jones out of the starting five just now. I saw the graphic. My, my guy, Herb Jones, got booted. Well, we know if you're coaching that he's coming back into the starting Absolutely. lineup. I expect more trades to be trickling down as we inch closer to that trade deadline at 3 o'clock Eastern on Thursday. Thank you to all my guests today. We're going to see you coming up tomorrow. NFL Live for right now, though, is coming up next. Let's go Rams. How about those 49ers?